have to say almost without fail, 90% of the time when I meet somebody, one of the first questions I get asked is, where am I from? And that's usually pretty quickly followed by, who's your mom, who's your dad, who's your grandma, who's your grandpa, commonplace, South Louisiana, we got to know who everybody is, who's your family, so that I can see what all the connections are, right? It's almost like we implicitly know that there's something about the family that's important, right? We feel like you know something about the person when you know who their family is, right? Oh, you're so-and-so's aunt, uncle, cousin, whatever it is, right? We recognize that there's something, especially in, in our culture, that there's something about the family that makes up, that it, it impacts who we are, right? Every single one of us, without fail, is part of a family. There's not a single one of us who isn't, in some way, shape, or form, part of a family. And the feast that we celebrate today, I think, lifts up the reality and the importance from the eyes of the Lord about the role of the family in all of our lives. Because Jesus could have come in a variety of different ways, but he chose to come into a family, to be born into a real family, and to grow up as part of a family. 30 of his 33 years of, of life on earth was simply living in the family. He spent 90% of his time just living with his mom and dad, right? So it lifts up that Jesus didn't just come and right get, it, get to the important work, so to speak, but he lived 30 years of very important work, I think, for us, to show us the importance of the family. St. John Paul II, um, was, he was pope two popes ago, and um, he wrote and, and talked a lot about the importance of the family. That was one of the things very close to his heart. And he had a quote that says, As goes the family, so goes the world. As goes the family, so goes the world. Recognizing that the family is the most important cell of all society. And the family has a great impact on where our entire culture is going to go. As goes the family, so goes the world. And the more I reflect on that and the more I just live my life, the more I'm convicted by how much and how, how much the family has impacted my own life and how much I see it impacting the ways that we all think and, and, and feel and believe and see the world. Because without a doubt, just thinking about my own family experience, that had a great impact on the person that I am today, right? I didn't come out of the womb ready to be a priest, but what the family did is that it kind of set the stage for like what I saw as important, the values that I thought were important, the kind of man that I wanted to be that was very much influenced by the way that my, like, my family brought me up, both immediate mom and dad and extended family. It forms what I think is important because I see how the people closest to me are living that out. And I'm by nature going to want to imitate what I see. That's what kids do. Now we can hear all that and hear the importance of the family. And at the same time, I think, also recognize that every single one of us, also without fail, comes from a very broken family, right? No, none of our families are perfect. And perhaps the day after Christmas, that's maybe when that's most on display, right? For a lot of people, the holidays are times of joy, but it also can lift up difficulties within all of our families. I think we can all think we're the only ones who deal with that, but in actuality, we all deal with that. Every single one of us has perhaps been hurt by just realities of, of, of brokenness in our family life. That's also real. It doesn't take away from the importance of the family. And I can look at Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and okay, that's what I'm supposed to be like, and then I look at my own family, and I can think, yeah, we're nowhere near that, never going to be near that, that's not for us. And I can think, I'm supposed to have the quote-unquote perfect family. We're not celebrating today the feast of the perfect family. So the perfect family doesn't exist. 
We think it does. We think that's what we're supposed to have. There's no such thing as a perfect family. But there is such thing as a holy family. And a holy family is not one that never messes up. But a holy family is one that recognizes that they do mess up and they invite the Lord into that in a particular way. Jesus was born into the mess of a family. Then, and Jesus is born into the mess of our families now. St. Paul VI was the Pope after John Paul. Well, yeah, he was the Pope, a recent Pope. He has a beautiful definition of the family. and He says that the family is a community of love, beautiful for the problems that it poses and the rewards that it brings. He calls the family beautiful for the, promise, for, for the problems that it poses and the rewards that it brings. And navigating the problems that the family can pose and the rewards that it can bring precisely through that lift up a real beauty for us that I think we can all sit with and reflect upon and allow ourselves to be impacted by. Because the reality of our family, the family, he calls it the community of love, right? Love, in our own lives, thrives on security. If I'm not secure in my relationship with somebody else, I'm never really going to be able to love them, right? And the family, rooted in the, the stable bond of husband and wife, and letting, all of, and letting everything flow from that provides the perfect environment for me to actually learn what love is, what love looks like, and how I can do that. And I was really struck by St. Paul's the second reading today. That's why I kind of went out of our way to hear that reading today. Because I think St. Paul gives us a beautiful roadmap of what the kind of love that, that we're called to, to live out actually can look like. Notice he begins talking about uh, having heartfelt compassion, gentleness, patience, humility, bearing with one another. It even sounds very realistic. A lot of times it feels like we're just bearing with one another in the family, right? Yeah. He's recognizing the reality that it's difficult, but there's something there worth fighting for. That if I have compassion, patience, that if I'm able to truly bear with the other person, There's a deeper love that comes through that. And then after he speaks about that, he speaks about the reality of the call that we have for forgiveness. Because every single one of us needs forgiveness. We've all messed up. None of us have loved perfectly. But what forgiveness does, is I think forgiveness actually proves the reality of love. If I'm never forgiven, if I never know that I'm going to be loved, despite the fact that I messed up, how secure is my love going to be? When I mess up and am forgiven, that's almost like a proof. Look how strong this love is. My love for you is not going anywhere. Precisely through the messing up, that's what I think St. Paul was getting at, the problems that the family poses actually brings great rewards. Because through forgiveness, my love is confirmed. And the love that that I think I have is confirmed. And I get to experience that even though I mess up, even though our families are all a big mess, our love is stronger than the mess. And it can persevere through that, and it's going to endure through that. And then St. Paul, he lifts up, I think, the closest and the most beautiful example of love that we can get, husband and wife. That's how he closes out the letter. He says, this is the example of love that every single one of us is called to. And it can sound very difficult on on a, a, a surface level reading, right? Wives, be subordinate to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives, right? I think that that passage is very rarely translated well. We hear, wives, be subordinate to your husbands, submit to your husbands, obey your husbands. It's all 
read in this kind of like domineering tone, right? One over the other, which we kind of repel against. That's not actually what St. Paul is getting at. If we could translate it, the original Greek, a little bit more accurately, it would sound something like, wives, subordinate yourselves to your husbands, which is very different. Wives, make the decision, as one who's equal to your husband in every way, make the decision to entrust yourselves to the loving care of your husband. Make the decision to entrust yourself to one who loves you and is going to love you above all things. Husbands, make sure that loving care is there. Husbands, love your wives. Not in a self-seeking kind of way, not in a, a superficial feeling kind of way, but husbands, sacrifice everything for the sake of your wives. Husbands, love your wives as Jesus loved us. That's the, the perfect image of love, is that crucifix. And that's what love is. This mutual entrusting of myself to somebody else, and the other person sacrificing everything for my sake. And the entrustment both confirms and begets the love. That's what love is. It's just one person entrusting themselves to another, back and forth, back and forth. And the two reinforce each other. If someone's loving me in that kind of a way, why wouldn't I want to entrust myself to them? Right? And as one entrusts themselves to me, I feel the call to love. I have to love this person who's trusting me. They put a lot of weight in who I am, and so I'm going to love them with everything that I have. And that kind of a love transforms hearts, and it transforms the world. And I was also struck by that very last sentence. It's a little bit out of, uh, it doesn't flow with what I'm talking about right now, but he says, Fathers, do not provoke your children so that they may not become discouraged. Just briefly lifting up fathers, the, the incredible role that you have in encouraging your children there's a particular power in the love and in the blessing of a father, modeled after our own love and desire for the Father in heaven. I think St. Paul would be remiss if he kind of went on without lifting up fathers, the incredible call that each one of you have in encouraging and modeling the faith and, and modeling virtue for your children. And as the father is confirmed in the love that his wife has for him, and then as he loves, it love begets love. And it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be easy. Everything that I said can sound like this idealistic world. That's not bliss. That's not an idealistic bliss. It's an incredible mess. But it's beautiful for the problems that it poses. And if I persevere through the problems, for the rewards that it brings. It bears great fruit in every single one of our hearts. Because when we, are, when we experience that love, we're transformed. A culture is, the world is transformed. Because, to go back to what St. John Paul II said, as goes the family, so goes the world. The church today, perhaps very providentially, right next to the holidays, where it's hardest to remember this sometimes, lifts up the ideal of the family and that ideal of love that we are all called to. And to never stop believing that that's something that we can actually achieve. If we feel like we failed, we messed up, we've already made a mess of things. So did the Holy Family. Mary and Joseph lost their son, right? They went a whole day before recognizing that Jesus was gone. They didn't understand what Jesus was telling them in the, as, when they found him in the temple, right? But they persevered through the anxiety. They persevered through not being able to understand. And in the beauty and simplicity of the life of Nazareth, they experienced the love of God in a profound way. That's a mission that every single one of us is called to that we can't give up on. And we pray that Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, all three of them, would be born in our hearts today 
would intercede for us, that we can experience the love that they so beautifully modeled for us. Amen.